Hey, my name is Amanda. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. Our scripture reading for today uh, comes to us out of the book of James. Uh, We're in chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. This is the word of God for us today. morning. How are you? I got a good. How's everybody else? Great. Great. I'm so glad to see you guys. I brought a cooler full of stuff that I love, Um, like you do. And uh, a couple of things. When I was trying to think about what do I throw in my cooler of stuff that I love, um, I I even asked my wife, like, what do I throw in here? So she gave some input. Um, You know, uh, among those things, anybody um, have a pair of Chacos that they love? Is it, yeah, so I got my first pair, 2004, I was going to go live as a whitewater guide in California, and I called out there and was like, what do I have to bring before guide school? And they said, you've got to get some Chacos, nothing sticks to wet rock like these guys. And I, I have learned, it's not just, it's not these, um, it's, the, it's what they represent for me, that I, I change when I'm out in the woods. I, I change when I'm, when I'm climbing through a creek. Um, or going down a river. I, I, I do better. I notice every now and then when my soul gets a little wound tight, I have to hop in a car and I drive about an hour away and get somewhere in the woods um, and my, my heart changes a little bit. Anybody else a little bit like that? And yeah, a couple of us. Um, so my, I threw my Chacos in my, in my cooler. I had to throw in some music. I know this um, cover isn't super visually interesting, but like my... Um, I love my records because I'm a nerd, um, and, uh, and this is um, Bon Iver's self-titled album that came out in 2011. I know that's not a big band, but listen, when I put this on, I am instantly back in a treehouse on my honeymoon with my, with my new bride listening to this record. Like this, it just pulls me back into that space of, uh, of that moment, and there's times, especially when there's nobody in the house. I'll put this on and turn it up and not do anything else, but just lay on the couch and let Justin Vernon sing over me. And it kind of changes my, my soul. I threw a, a bunch of other random stuff in here. I've got my, my tea that I love, um, and I, I do love good tea. Um, these are some black dragon pearls, which just sounds cool. You know, what are you drinking? Black dragon pearls? Does that, I think that sounds cool, maybe not. But I just, oh gosh, I love the way they smell. Um, that, that makes this, um, <laughs> uh, a friend of mine brought these to my house. This is a Kentucky ginger ale. Um, and uh, no, it's not Heineken, it's in a green bottle. But um, it's a Kentucky ginger ale that I um, fell in love with when I was in grad school. And, uh, and there was this little... Um, Fitch's IGA grocery store that I could walk to and 
and for 50 cents, I'd, I'd get one of these and pop it open and walk around this little horse town that my seminary was in. And these, I don't know, it's kind of silly to have that kind of attachment to like a soda. But it gives me some joy, you know? And then it like pulls me into that moment. My wife was like, you can't leave home without your knives. Um, Right? And, uh, and look, look I, I love to cook. Um, that's kind of like my decompressing when I get home. Um, and, and I'm a knife nerd. I, I have been since I was probably in like eighth grade, ninth grade, I kind of fell in love with, with knives and pocket knives. And not just like the cheap gas station stuff, you know, but, um, but I will nerd out about um, edge grinds and blade steel and Rockwell hardness and balance um, these are this, this is uh, these are Miyabi, um, and uh, this is more than I, anyone has a reason to spend on a on a knife, except for some reason just holding a beautiful object um, that is ground to ten degrees on each side, razor sharp. That, like, yeah, um, not that I care. Um, but listen, when I am at home chopping garlic, right? Like you could do that with with anything that you found in a garage sale. You know, but but when I've got this, it's just it's just kind of kind of different. You know, so I brought my entire knife set. Um, we'll see if I manage to uh, to survive the the weekend without cutting myself. Um, and then like there's this guy um, or any of them, and um, and I I thought about like plugging in for you guys, and then I thought you know like I want people to come back and. Um, <laughs> And this is, it's actually out of tune at the moment. I forgot to tune it, but. Um, but there was a time in my life when this was my job, when, you know, playing electric guitar was my job. And, and it, I am different when I go in the basement and put on my headphones and um, plug into my little amp simulator. They, they've gotten so good at those. And, um, and I turn up the volume and I, I play the same riffs that I've been playing for 25 years, you know. And I'm different when I manage to put one of these, and I just imagine, you know, like, could the Foo Fighters let me in the band for like a week? <laughs> you know, like, oh my gosh, you know. And so, quick, quick question um, for you guys. Um, what would you put in your cooler of stuff that you love? And, and listen, it doesn't have to just be stuff. You know, like, I, I, love my, I love spending time with my family, but I, they would not let me shove my family in a cooler and pull them out on stage. I, don't, I guess that would be a little suspect, you know, um, putting my son in a, in, a, in a cooler and bringing him on stage. But, um, you know, it, sitting on your grandparents' porch out in the country, maybe for you it's, it's duck hunting or, or fishing, or, or maybe it's pulling out a sewing machine. and I don't know what it is. But would you just take a second, turn to your neighbor, and what is something that you would put in your cooler of stuff that you love? Person or object? Ready, set, go.
right. So um, this for in the room, if you're at Benton, I, I hope you share with, uh, with each other. Um, but obviously, I, I, I can't hear you. Um, and, uh, and so I'd love for you to share with each other a little bit. But l- let, me, uh, let me hear a couple of the things that are in this room. What, what's some of the stuff you would, you would throw in your cooler? A horse? A horse. <laughs> what, your, your family? You throw your whole family in the cooler? They're in the cooler. Uh, what else? Camping. Camping, yeah. So maybe that's, I don't know if that's for a tent or if you're fancy smanchy, it's something that you hook up to your, uh, to, to your truck or if you're fake camping, it's something you drive somewhere and then sleep in. Um, that's much nicer, but that's just a hotel that you took with you. Um, it's not, anyway. Um, but what else? What? Your guinea pigs. That's adorable. Um, yeah. <laughs> One more. Soda? We got soda. We got some crackers. Chevy Tracker. Is that a, is that a vehicle? Yeah, you, you would throw your truck in the cooler, or would you throw your cooler in the truck? How does that, how does that work? And uh, listen, here's the thing. There are... Th- they're these little things. They're simple things sometimes. They're, they're, not, they're not grand. Um, they don't have to be deeply spiritual. But there's these things that they, they make us more ourselves. Like we just, we come out of them a little more like ourselves than when we, when we went in. And I don't know, I don't know if your thing is, is good coffee or making deer sausage. I don't know. You know, but, but everybody's got this stuff, and what do we do with it? Like, is that worth spending some time on? Maybe we miss it a little bit. In, uh, in 2008 and 2009, in London, there was um, a group uh, that pulled together some money and put his advertisements on those big red double-decker buses that drive around London. Um, they, they put uh, one of these guys up. Um, do you see the, the sign on it? Maybe we'll... Zoom in a little bit. One, one more. There's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. There's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. Do you see the equation there? If there is a God, he's not into joy. In fact, he is a barrier to you enjoying your life. If there is no God, it's good news. We can actually engage in the things that bring us joy. I would say that that narrative is not the fault of the group of people that pooled the money and made those ads. They're smart. They're playing off of a a societal understanding of what it means for God to exist. The, the, the rap that God has gotten is that he's not so much into joy. In fact, he's probably a barrier between you and it. And they're hoping that if they can remind people, hey, remember that God is the villain in the story of joy, that maybe that people will break free and find some new life. And I, I think, I mean, that, that was in London, right? Thoroughly, you know, Christianized culture, um, at least in, in terms of name. I mean, the, the, the church is a part of the, the state in their place, you know, the 
the king is the, is the head of the church, right? Those things are, are married in their world. But I wonder if maybe that they're pulling on a weakness that Christianity has given itself because our roots are better than that. Our roots are better than that. If we could start at the, at the, actually at the beginning, like in, in Genesis chapter 1, in this, this beautiful poem, it's this song, and it, it has the Hebrew version of rhyme in it called, called seconding or parallelism in it, and it bounces along, and it's this beautiful opening song in Scripture, um, this work of poetry that we call Genesis chapter 1. And, and check this out, verse 4. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. As we go through these, there's a few of them where, where the words are in bold, they're highlighted in red. And if you would, would you just say those aloud with me when we come up to them? God called the dry ground land and gathered the waters. He called seas, and God saw that it was good. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. God set, um, he's talking about the stars, in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and separate the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. God created the creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and it moves about it and according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then he creates humanity. God, the, the writer has, has God get down on his hands and knees and and, and get his hands in the dirt and form humanity. And it's, it says that God saw all that he had made and it was very good. The reoccurring theme in our opening story is that God made the world good. The, the Hebrew word is tov. And that last line, when God steps out of creation and looks it says, very good. We don't have a translation for that. There is no English corollary for the words that they use there. It's tov me'od, and me'od, me'odeka, is, is like this very muchness. It's this three exclamation points in a row. It's someone shouting on their tiptoes. It's God is like vibrating with energy and excitement over the beauty of his world. And I wonder if we've forgotten to connect the dots for ourselves between the good world and the good God who gave it to us. Sometimes there's, there's a, missing, a missing piece there. Now, I imagine that some of that came from when Christianity was born. It was born in Jerusalem in a thoroughly Jewish culture, and then it quickly spread as we followed the journeys of Peter and then Paul into the Greek and Roman world. And baked into the Greek and Roman understanding of things was an idea that was solidified, especially by, by Plato um, a, a while before, um, called dualism, where the physical world is less than 
and the spiritual world or the world of ideas or the thing that something could be or should be out there is what is good. That that thing is real. I, we, my wife and I, um, last night went and saw um, a dance program at at Simo. Um, it was it was really fun to watch um, some of the students present what they had been working on, and and one of them was dancing to this this poem, and and they were working through this um, this idea of like uh, we can never draw a perfect circle. That the idea of a circle is perfect, but the thing that we have in front of us is always weaker. And imperfect, and then they, they related to that very very sharp um, insight in this poetry, where they said it's the same with people. The idea of a person sometimes is perfect, but then we get to know them, and you know how that goes, right? And what do we what do we do with this gap? And and this Greek dualism was baked into the idea that this physical world, what we have, kind of stinks. Our bodies, not that great that out there somewhere in the spiritual world or the imagination is the better thing. And I I imagine that when Christianity um, spread into that world, that was one of those things that kind of got caught up, unfortunately, into our story, especially as the gospel spread west. The idea that the world here is eh, Somewhere when we get to heaven one day, the world will be what it should be. And right now, we just kind of have to suffer. And life is hard, right? Suffering is real. But if, if there is truth to be found in Scripture, the world was good before it was bad. And everything that is wrong in the world is the thing that came late to the game and will not get to stay for eternity. And when we find spaces where we get a glimpse of the God shouting over everything, it is good. We are reconnecting with our roots in a beautiful way. And I have to say, I did not learn this from Christians. I learned this, for me, from rabbis. Um, from, from Jewish scholars that understood the first two-thirds of my Bible better than I did. And, and reconnecting with, with voices that you, you may not know, like Lawrence Kushner or Jonathan Sachs or my favorite, Abraham Heschel. This like reconnection to the God of the Bible is one that starts with an announcement that everything is good. And so the, the story of our scripture was never about escaping out of here. How do we climb Mount Olympus and get up there? How is God going to beam us out of here to go there? The story of our scripture was always about God at work right here and now to make things what they should be. And we don't have to go anywhere else to find him. He's right here. C.S. Lewis I read this early in my life, and I missed it. I missed the, the connection that, that I, I later found um, through, these other, through these other folks. But, but Lewis, um, he, he says this, we may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito. Now, you could say, okay, Brett, that's, that's beautiful. 
you're really going to relate that to your sandals? You're, you're going to relate that to listening to an album that by the, doesn't even mention his name? Yeah, yeah. And, and here's the thing. You might think that that's a little lame. I would say that I think the opposite is lame. That, that what I have, to, I have to go in a certain building to find God? I, I, have to, I have to sing certain songs? To find, I have to pray a certain way? I have, to, I have to carry myself in a certain fashion? I have to be at the right place at the right time to find God? Those are pagan ideas about a God that's stuck in a temple that people have to go find. We have a world that is crowded with God. The the world springs from him. You know, God is the place of the universe, but the universe is not his place. He is underneath and throughout every bit of existence. Even if the writer of Psalm 23 is correct, he's even in the valley of the shadow of death. He walks with us, and we don't have to fear. I was with a, a friend um, group of friends on last Sunday, and um, we were we were eating glorious food, giant fried chicken, and and sitting around, and um, and, and talking about a few things. And uh, he was talking about that he woke up and looked out in his yard, and saw a bunch of wild turkeys. In his front yard, and he loves hunting. And he said that that made my soul stand on its tiptoe. What makes your soul stand on its tiptoes? What, what, do, you, what do you love? Maybe, maybe a way to ask that is what makes your soul stand on its tiptoes? I mean, there might be, there might be something there, right? And, and it might not, might not just be okay to talk about finding God in the little things, what if that's God's hope, is that our soul would stand on tiptoes as we, as we walk through our life? I, I, I think it's quite beautiful that I could find God, that Lord of heaven and earth, on my drive to school to drop my kids off in a perfect cup of coffee in a walk on a wonderful spring day like we've had the last few days. James, the brother of Jesus, is writing um, a group of people that are, that are struggling you know, but I saw this great um, uh, meme on the internet, I, you know, and it was, I know this is, this is James, but it said the typical, um, Paul's typical outline to a letter that he writes to the church. Grace, I thank God for you. Remember the gospel. For the love of God, stop being stupid. <laughs> Timothy says hi. That's the, that's the typical flow of a Pauline letter, right? And, and here James, anyway, he's, he's, he's writing to a group of people that are struggling with a few things, you know, that most of our letters that we have in Scripture are born out of that there's, there's, there's something stupid happening. And, and the leaders of the church are like, we have to say something about that. And, and James is writing this group of people, and he says in verse 16, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. So there's a deception running around. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down 
from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through, his, through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of all that he created. Do not be, they are in danger of being deceived of something. And he pulls them back to truth by saying every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. What if God is really into sharing his joy with his children? What, what, if, what if every place that someone sits down to work on a quilt or listen to a song that they love or work on a crossword puzzle or play Monopoly with their kids. What if every one of those is a place to build a temple and to let the Lord of heaven and earth tap you on the shoulder and say, it's good, it's good, it's good. Just, just let, let's, let's work through his, um, James's verse here just a bit at a time. First of all, he says, every good and perfect gift. Let's talk about what's good. When you're going through your life and you see something that is good, that n- not, not just pleasurable, right? Something can feel good and not be good. We're all on board with that, right? You know, um, I, dumping a bunch of sugar into a tub of Crisco and stirring it around and eating it may, like, taste good, but that's not good, right? But what are the things that are good that you walk away from more like yourself than you were when you started? What if that's a place to, to say God is there? Then he says, every good and perfect gift. Interesting Greek word there, telos, or teleos in this form, um, which means the intended goal of something. That when something is mature, maybe is a good way of saying that. When something is mature, what, when you meet something in the form that it should be, this is what is intended for this thing to be. Whether we're talking about a good cup of tea and you get that one right and you're like, this couldn't get any better. What if that's a place to see God? What if, you know, pick, picking, up, picking up a guitar and finally, finally hitting that, that note that I've been working for because my, my fingers just sometimes don't move like I want them to, but then when I, when I get it, Like, is that a place to say that's from God? To sense his presence there, to build an altar in my mind. Of th- this is a moment when God says it is good. What are the things in your life that aren't just good, but they're, they're mature, they're what they should be? Like, can we name those things? And then he says... They are a good and perfect gift. Pop quiz. When someone gives you a gift, you say, when you, get, when you make gifts, when you, as a parent, I can experience this, and you do something for somebody else, and they look at you, they take it from you, and they walk away, what does that do to your heart? If you're like me, I find my sin real quick. 
right? Right? <clears throat> You're welcome. <laughs> Did you walk away with your French toast sticks? Right? Maybe I'm a little insecure about that. But when someone gives us a gift, and then we look at them and we say, thank you. Now we have this exchange going. There's a giving and a receiving happening. Every time someone gives someone something and they look and they mean it and they say, thank you, now we're giving something back. Now there's like a, now there's a flow. Now there's a, a relationship. And what if God is really into sharing his joy with his kids and we can find a space to name it? If it is good, then it is perfect and it is a gift and he says, coming down, coming, the, the tense of the verbs there is this is a continual flow coming down on us. And by the way, he starts with you. The, the next thing he says is a good and perfect gift coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who gave us birth. That when God made you, he has intention for you. When you came into the faith, he had intention for you. The, the, he talks about that we are a word from God. Can God speak a word that has no meaning? And if you are a word from God that has meaning and intention, that when, I think when we start responding to that God, he, he helps shape us into being good and perfect and we become a gift for the world. I mean, who, who doesn't want to get in on that? Maybe just a couple of, a couple of ways um, as we start this, this sermon series, and I want, I want to take a, take a deep dive on meeting the Lord of heaven and earth in sandals and tea and turkey hunting. Maybe just a couple of things. First is I think we need to pace ourselves. When we're going through life too fast, I don't notice gifts. I don't notice what's good and perfect. The only thing I notice is the stuff that gets in my way. You know, the person who can't figure out how to use a four-way stop. This is the only thing I know. When I pace myself, I can notice those things. The next thing is we name it. When we pace ourselves and we see it, we can name it. And we can say, this is good. This is mature. I think that most of us, maybe, maybe life grinds it out of us, most of us have forgotten to name those things and to pull them, to pull them close. Maybe we could say we need to cultivate it because we, we live in a world that kind of sucks that stuff out of us and I end up focusing more on numbing than the stuff that brings me joy, more on the stuff that just like, um, like doom scrolling or, or watching something on Netflix that I don't really care about or whatever. If we can... If we can slow down and pace ourselves and if we can name it, then we can cultivate it and say, I want to make that more a part of my life. As, as little as it might be is a good bottle of ginger ale. I want to make a little more space for that in my life because in that space, I get to hear the Lord say, it is good. And then I get to respond to it and say thank and say, thank you. What if, what if our life was like littered with temples? What, what if we were this living glory of gladness 
that moved through a world that is far too stuck on what's not working right and how do I get things right and where do I have to go to meet with someone who cares about me? What do I have to say and how do I have to perform to find someone who will say that they love me? And we have a Lord of heaven and earth who is hiding under every beautiful song and on every good walk and in every moment on a front porch or laying on a pillow when you get it just right. You know what I'm talking about? What if that God was waiting to meet us there? I want to be able to say thank you because the world needs people like that. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you were the one, the word of God who shouted, let there be light and it was good. You're the one who gave us birth and you shouted over us, it is good. And even though the world is deeply broken, as we have brought sin into it, Jesus, you are safe to repent towards because you are a God who wants what is best for us. And help us to be that living glory of gladness that moves through the world, meeting you in every step. It's in your name that we pray, the God of joy. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, make sure to subscribe to this channel. Feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about LaCroix Church or to find your next steps, head to lacroixchurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you.